It's nothing new, but the world is filled with darkness. A death of a human being is always a terrible thing. Children are one of the very few examples of innocence this world has to offer. When something extremely violent and terrible happens to them, it tends to hit us a bit harder. I'm Noah Weddle, and today we're going back to December 25th, 1996, to talk about the John Benet Ramsey case. I'm Noah. And I'm Casey. And today we're going back to December 25th, 1996, to talk about John Benet Ramsey. Casey, what do you know about this case off the top of your head? Uh, Just a I, general overview of it. I know that she was like this like child pageant star, up and coming or whatever, and her family was wealthy. Uh, or is wealthy. Extremely wealthy. Yeah. Yep. Like your typical rich Southern family. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the parents were suspected of being involved in her murder. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much it. And I know that the, basically the parents were were cleared. Yeah. Um, the mom's dead. She's, yeah. She died a while ago. Yeah. The dad's still alive. Yes, the dad's still alive. But uh, but that's pretty much I I think I think that's really the basis of what most people know. This is probably one of the biggest American murder cases to ever exist, besides OJ. Because this not only does this involve a child, mm-hmm. which sensationalizes it beyond anything, it's a child that died and got thrown in the basement, and there was pretty much nothing to go by. And their parents were asleep in the house when it happened. Mm -hmm. How many times have you heard of that happening, right? Right. 
uh, with it being a child, with it being on Christmas, with it being a high class or a, what is it, white collar family, mm-hmm. like extremely wealthy family, um, in, in a Colorado neighborhood that was a very nice kind of cul-de-sac, you know, very heidi tidy neighborhood. Oh, yeah. And this just happens out of nowhere. And a thing about this that magnifies that is the police and the way they handled the crime scene was absolutely horrid. They had no idea what they were doing. It's like, this is 1996. This isn't freaking old Western days. Right. You, you have DNA at this point. You have DNA testing. There's no reason this crime scene should have been handled like that. Have you ever heard people talk about just the mishandling of it? Not really. I mean, yeah. I, the. I mean, I know. I remember being a kid when this all happened, mm-hmm. and it all over the news and the trial right. and all that. And, um, but uh, I remember them talking about that they there was belief that it was handled wrong and that there Very was just bungling wrong. and stuff. But they were literally letting family members and friends and whoever that wasn't on the police department, news crews come in the house and waltz around and all this stuff before they found the body. And it, even after they found the body. So it's like, you got all this extra DNA just trout, you know, through the house. It's like the killer's DNA could have been right there on the kitchen sink. But now, you know, you let aunt Becky in yeah, you're essentially just muddying the waters. Yes, like. exactly. So let's get into it. John Bonet mm-hmm. was born in 1990. This happened on December, uh, on Christmas of 1996, so she was six years old. Like Casey said, she was an American child beauty queen, and she was killed in her family home. Now, at first, this did not appear, oh, in Boulder, Colorado, at first, this did not appear like a murder case because of the setup and what was discovered. The parents um, had called in, you know, Christmas morning, our daughter's missing. They had come back that night from a party, put her to bed. That's the last time they saw her, supposedly. Right. (laughs) We'll never know. Um, So that morning, Christmas morning, the police show up, and the Ramseys had actually been pacing around the house, kind of looking... Looking for their daughter, and I'm going to put that in quotation marks. Everything the Ramseys do, I am putting it in quotation marks. Because even if they're not found guilty, they're still very suspect to me. They're still very odd. And the way they handled this is very odd. So a a handwritten ransom note was found in the house. The father, John, eventually found her body in the basement about eight hours after she'd been reported missing. So the cops had been there, been gone, been there, been gone. People let in, let out. Then they find her body. <laughs> she sustained a broken skull uh, from a blow to the head, so she was struck. That's probably what, probably what incapacitated her, and then she was strangled to death. So typically, that's a rage kill. Typically, that's a heat of the moment. You know, they said something I didn't like. They know something I didn't like. I got to kill them. That's what that is. That's not a planned thing, right? I wonder if if that if that's the. You know, say like, uh, not really crying a passion, but mm-hmm. you know, it's in the heat of the moment. Yeah. I wonder if it's because he maybe he was afraid that she would scream out or she was struggling it could have and been he was getting frustrated. Right. Yeah. That is now. When you say he, who are you referring to? Well, I, mean, I guess is a generalization of the killer. Okay, so it could be her dad, or it could be a serial killer. Right. It could be whoever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is it called a garrot? Is that what that is? The wire, 
Yeah. Okay, so a gra was found around her neck. Now, here's an interesting thing to me, is they said that the, the Ramses had said that the night before they opened Christmas gifts, he bought, you know, John Bonet a nice new bike. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm guessing that he bought her some pretty nice stuff, right? Then they went to a party, and then they came home, and it sounds like they had a pretty good night. When you kill someone in the heat of the moment, you grab whatever is close to you to use, right? Mm-hmm. Or you just do it barehanded. If there's a garrote around her neck, does that make sense that he would just have a garrote ready to go? Have a wire that would fit around her neck with a stick to twist it? Does that make sense at all? I mean, it seems if it was heat of the moment. Right. I mean, that, that's pretty well thought out. I mean, that's yeah. intent. Early. Right. Now, have you seen how garrots work? Yes. Yeah, you get the string, you get the stick, and you twist the stick. Cuts, cuts her circulation off. That is something that you have to plan, man. You're not just going to have that in your pocket. Okay? Yep. So that's one, that's one sign that I kind of took, like, okay, this is kind of weird. The autopsy report stated that the official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation associated with a, a head injury. Her death was ruled a homicide at that point. So at first, they, they're thinking, okay, she's missing. She got abducted. Here's a, here's a ransom note. We got to find her. So the police actually initialized the search at that point, not knowing that the body was lying right there in the basement. Who found the body? Do you know? I don't know. Well, hours and hours of talking to the police, dealing with family. John, the dad, walks down to the basement, finds the body right there. <laughs> so if I, if I remember right, it was fi- found in like the water heater, the laundry, you know, the utility room, basically. Right. Um, the so, police came to the house and didn't search the house, dude. Right. So if I'm reading these notes right, uh-huh. so Detective Arndt asked John Ramsey and, the, and Fleet White, a family friend, to search the house to see if anything seemed amiss. They started searching the basement. Now, this is at 1 p.m. John opened the latch door with Officer French had overlooked and found his daughter's body in one of the rooms. Jean-Benet's mouth was covered with duct tape and nylon cord and found around her wrist and her neck, and her torso was covered by a white blanket. John Ramsey picked up the child's body and took it upstairs. When JonBenet was moved, the crime scene was further contaminated and critical forensic evidence was disturbed for the returning forensics team. Yes. So now, so I mean, you are like, okay, let's, all right, so we're presuming, because this is how the American justice system works, that the father's innocent, right? Okay, we're presuming. Yeah. So you have this grief-stricken father who at first believes that the child is just simply missing. Right. Okay. Uh, there's a ransom note. So he thinks that she's far off somewhere. Right. She find he finds his child dead. What? Yeah. In in the basement. So he's completely grief sticking. So most parents would do probably what he did. They would. And picked him pick yeah. picked the child pick up. The body up, shake her, cry. You're you're yeah. frantic, right? Right, because yeah. all logic has there's left the mind. Nothing wrong with what he did. No, there's there's. I think any parent that cares about their child would have essentially done yeah. especially finding all that stuff the duct tape yeah. the wrist bound all you know, rationality goes out the window yeah because now you're so. a six-year-old little girl like i have a six-year-old little boy right 
I, I would be. You would lose your mind. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah. That's there. There's a logic. I mean, all logic would just leave my mind. Now, here's the example of bad police work, though. Why was he the one right. to be searching? Why didn't the police say, "Hey, John, go to this. Go to the kitchen. Go get a hotel room. Go do something. We're gonna search your house." That is what would normally happen. The police would not let you search your own house. Right. Right. So why was he the one that found it? That is just terrible police work. Yeah, that that to me is just like, I, I mean, because if you're doing your, no, I'm not law enforcement, but I mean, I would imagine your preliminary search, because you're looking for clues. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't go. He's going to muck up the scene, I'm, you know. You, I mean, I guess like. If you are telling the family, all right, uh -huh. go see if there's anything missing. Is there anything out of place? Because, you know, the police aren't immediately going to know right. if everything's out of whack. But you would think at least an officer would be accompanying them. Yes. Going, okay, you know, I'm going to follow you. That way, in case we do stumble upon something, I can back you off. Yeah. But it seems like there's, even in, in, in what I can read and see so far... It was basically like giving the family and the, their friends free reign of the house while they kind of sit back and go, report back to us yeah. when you find something strange. And every time you walk somewhere or interact with something, you leave DNA. Yeah. And that DNA, when it mixes with other DNA, can either contaminate it and make it unreadable or it can override it. Right. Like, right? There's a great example of this is that in England, um, there was these deaths like mm -hmm. there was a lot of deaths and i don't remember if it was london or where it was at but it was in england and when they were doing the dna testing they found that there was um the same dna at every scene yeah so now the english police believe they have a serial killer in their hands well what they found was is after they did their testing and then everything and they found that there was this woman it was a, definitely a woman's DNA. She was probably about 50 or 60 years old, they, they surmised. Okay. They tracked her down. You know what she was? She was the woman who prepped the DNA kits. Yeah. And what happened was is she would lick her fingers to get the piece of paper that would go inside these kits. Yeah. So every time she licked her fingers and put that piece of paper, it was like basically like a labeling. Mm -hmm. And she would put it inside this kit. So now her, her fingers, her DNA from her saliva is literally contaminating the DNA kits. So basically, they didn't have a serial killer. They had a woman who was prepping faulty kits. Yeah, and that happens a lot. I mean, it's, you should be more careful if you're a DNA tester. But it's almost like when you eat a bag of Fritos or a spicy chips and then you touch your eye, oh. you're just not thinking about it. Because now you're crying. <laughs> right, now you're crying. But it's like, it's not a big deal to just, oh, you know, touch oh, yeah. your eye. It's the same thing with DNA. Yep. It can be messed up. It, it is so, uh, what do they call it? What's the word for that? Where you can damage something very easily. Delicate. It's very delicate. delicate. Yep. And, uh, you know, 1996... We're still kind of in the infancy of DNA. This is 23 years ago. Yep. So it's rather new. Right. Uh, especially on this level. We had fingerprints and stuff mm -hmm. way before then, but um, are you okay? Are you good? Mm -hmm. Okay. So initially when they got the ransom note, which <laughs> you heard some of it at the beginning of this letter or this podcast, but the part you didn't hear was the specificity of it. It's a very specific note. 
Uh, it tells him to take out $118,000, 100000 of it in $100 bills, and then 18000 of it in $20 bills, which is very odd. They even go as far as telling him to bring a large suitcase to the bank. <laughs> like, you got to remind him what $100,000 looks like. Right. That's kind of weird, isn't it not? It is a little bit weird. Like, the whole... Like, I read the note a little bit while we were... Um, before before we um, start recording. And to read the note, like, there are things that, as I'm reading it... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely a lot of specifics on how to... Ca- what exactly how they want it carried out. Right. But the other thing is, to me is that as I'm reading it, with as much as I'm seeing, it's almost as if there's... It almost seems Hollywood. It sounds like an Italian mobster movie, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like something you would see, like, on Criminal Minds. It does. Or it just... I don't know. To me, it seems... If you interact with the police, she will die. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a voiceover. Yeah, it's like... um, Okay, so if you've played... um, the very let's see what was it the second Force Unleashed game the Star mm-hmm. Wars game and Darth Vader's talking to your character mm-hmm. I literally was reading the part in the voice where like if you do this she will die because right. he that's exactly what it sounded like so in, in in my mind as I'm reading this it's almost as if the letter's a plant yeah and that's where we're going I mean the police when they saw the letter the first thing they thought was how many times when you're a cop and you're doing a murder case or, or a kidnapping, do you actually see a ransom letter? I mean, right? I would, Not very often. The thing to me is about the ransom letter is that there's... it. I mean, to me, it, it, there's just so much in it that just screams... Set up. Set up or plant. Like, it was yeah. a, a distraction piece. So the police, they initially suspected that the note was written by JonBenet's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I'm going to... This is going to come up later, but John Bonet's mom was actually, she had cancer. Right. And she was in a bad way at this period in time. She got better, and then she got worse and died after the murder. But that's another important thing. So anyway, they, inspect, they suspected that it had been written by her mother and that the uh, note in the appearance of the child's body had been staged, which is what popular opinion was. In 1998, the DA said that due to a new DNA analysis, though, none of the immediate family members were under suspicion for the crime because none of their DNA was on, you know, the letter or the body or around the body. Hmm. A lot of people had said that maybe her brother did it. Burke? Yeah, I remember hearing that. He was only nine years old. And uh, if a brother and sister were fighting... You know, she would scream, the parents would hear, and the, the, a nine-year-old kid would not know to use a garrote. Okay? That's, like, see, that's the other thing, too, is, like, because I didn't know about all, like, how she was found. Uh-huh. I don't think a nine-year-old, okay, let's do this. A normal nine-year-old right. has the capacity or the knowledge of how any of this works. Yeah, and how to put a, like, a garrote. That's enough evidence there that a nine-year-old would not know how to do that yeah that's i mean who, i mean what nine-year-old without seeing it in a movie would have the knowledge okay i need to get a cord and yeah. some kind of stick to apply pressure damon from the omen would be the only kid that would yeah know. <laughs> i mean that's just like to me that just screams that i mean this it's an adult it's definitely it. an adult with with 
knowledge of how this stuff works to right. some degree. So we go on with the case, this bad police work. It mm -hmm. continues, it continues. They're throwing fingers out. So-and-so did it, so-and-so did it. John and Patsy were accused of hindering the prosecution of an un unidentified person who had committed the crime. Um, but the DA had determined that there was insufficient evidence to pursue a successful indictment. So it's almost like the mom and dad had an idea of who might have done this, but they kind of helped cover it up a little bit. Right. Maybe they knew the person. Maybe the dad had, you know, screwed somebody over and didn't want that to come out with his company. Who knows, right? But the way they handled this, they were not very forthcoming with what happened. Yeah, I mean, remember people talking about how they were pretty tight-lipped. Right. Extremely tight-lipped. Uh, there's a lot of theories. I don't think I've ever heard as many theories about a case as I have about this one. From Anything from it being, you know... I've heard a theory that it was the town Santa Claus that did it. Wow. Okay? I've heard it was a theory, and this is the one that makes most, the most sense to me. They were a very wealthy family. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of people that knew a lot about them. He was in the paper all the time. Right. Their daughter was a beauty pageant queen. Mm -hmm. All it takes, you go to the beauty pageant show, she's there, there's a pedophile in the audience. He sees her. He, whatever messed up feelings pedophiles have, he has towards her. He follows them back. He stalks them, finds out their routine. Then he does it. Right. right. That makes the most sense to me, that yeah. situation. See, I mean, that's the thing. And, and that's why a lot of these um, ch uh, child pageants t take so much heat. Right. Is because these parents dress their daughters up to look like yeah. basically little adult women. And then they're just parading them around to where any pedophile can watch it. And yeah. Yeah, it's not good. And and there's actually been cases, I mean, even since the John Bonet's case, mm -hmm. where pedophiles have been at these pageants. Oh, yeah. And they've tried to kidnap or, mm -hmm. you know, steal away one of these kids or do something with one of these kids. Or so, study their patterns. Yeah. Get to know their family. You slip in. Hey, guess what? She did a great job. I'm... I'm the teacher. I work at the school she goes to. Right. You know, there, and, and you're, you're in. Right. So, so. There's, there's, she's definitely not the only case that, that something like this has happened. Yeah. And that's why these, these pageants take on so much heat. And, and one thing we learned is that pedophiles are the sneakiest, creepiest people. They, they know exactly how to get in there. Because it's so, right? because, you know, they have this desire to do these things, these yeah. kids, and they know that, they can't just be outright, so right. they have to sneaky. connive and they have to manipulate. Yeah, manipulate and yeah, it's I don't know, man. Like it's a very disturbing case, but there is so much around it, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna dive in a little more here. We're not gonna talk about everything because it would take us all day. <clears throat> so. After this, after the note was found, mm -hmm. uh, it was on the kitchen staircase. If she was killed in the basement, the killer had some balls. Okay, she was killed in the basement. They found a window open in the basement that was it was it looked like it had been jarred open. Mm -hmm. And right below that window on the inside of the white wall was a boot print. So it's almost like somebody climbed in the window, got their foot stuck on the wall, and jumped into the room. Mm -hmm. They had to go up to John Bonet's room and get her. 
bring her down to the basement and kill her, leave her body there, write the ransom note, take the ransom note up the steps, leave it in the kitchen on the kitchen stairs. Right. That is very, not only time consuming, especially a note that long, but it's very risky to go upstairs twice. Do you know what it kind of reminds me of? I mean, maybe not the MO and uh-huh. definitely not the, you know, everything, but you know, like when we talked about, um, or maybe we, maybe we didn't do a recording of it, but we, we definitely discussed doing it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about um, the, uh, oh, the Vasilla Axe murders. Did we yeah, do that? We I don't did think not. We, we, we discussed we, we, it we to talk for about. like a minute. Okay. So in our private discussions talking about the Vasilla Axe murders mm-hmm. and then like the, uh, the theory that's recently come out where there was actually multiple Axe murders that took place in the prairie and down around Texas around the same time. Mm-hmm where this person was basically brazen and would kill an entire family with, with the blunt end of an axe. Yeah. It's called, it's berserker mode. Is yeah. what it is. So the, the, the brazen attitude, this person just, just think, cause in the back of your head, let's say you're John Ramsey, right? Yeah. In the back of your head, this person with everything that you've been presented by the police or any lead investigator, like, okay, so this guy snuck in through your house, went upstairs, got your daughter, took her back downstairs sexually assaulted her not in a conventional way yeah but because they definitely said there was a vaginal damage mm. um so went downstairs murdered your daughter went back upstairs put a, left the note there and in the back of your head at some point it has to dawn on you this person could have done all of you in oh yeah could have so there's this person roaming through your house right has already killed your daughter or could have killed you before killing their daughter. But his goal was one. Yeah. And how much time would it take to write that note, too? Yeah. You know, it's not like you're just copying. You're writing it from your head. So here, But here's the thing that I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around. Uh-huh. And I think maybe, and I, I'm reading these notes, I, I kind of have to come to the same conclusion to a point. Uh-huh. Okay, so you murdered this girl. You left her in the house. You wrote a, uh, a ransom note left it in the house, left the daughter, left the body in the house. Yeah. Like no one was ever going to find that body. Right. So my thing of it is, is maybe someone was moving around and the person and the intruder got scared mm-hmm. and then killed her or had already killed her, but didn't have the time to take the body with him when he left. Yeah. So yeah, like he killed her or was in the process of killing her and he heard somebody upstairs and he, Killed her and jumped out the window. Right, because right? maybe he was doing the slow strangulation. Right, because strangulation could take up to several minutes to achieve. Yeah, so maybe that's what a six-year-old though. It's not going to take that long. Well, you're still talking about because the the point between when you're strang when you're strangulating someone. Yeah, it may not take more than a few minutes to make them pass out. Yeah. But to achieve actual death can yeah. take 10, 12 minutes. And, and, of course, with a garage, it's way faster. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were to hand squeeze, it takes longer. But with a wire, it's it's pretty fast. I just, know? I just, but, like, part You're of right, me, though. part of me does think that the, the blow to the skull was the quick blow because maybe yeah. he heard something going on upstairs. But the other thing is, too, is he had the time to, maybe he left the note. On his way up to go get John Bonet, or on his way back down. Yeah, it's possible to me. I don't think he made two trips upstairs. Yeah, I think he made the one. But the part of me also believes, and he, and maybe it doesn't. 
I'm not saying that I'm necessarily... Now, take, keep in mind, this was a gigantic house, too. Right. So, yeah, he might be able to do stuff and nobody would hear him, so... Right, and it's possible, and that's the other thing, too, is that in order to go through someone's house, and it's a fairly nice-sized home, yeah. to go through that house and find John Benet mm-hmm. and take her back downstairs and John Benet not make a word, and he might have duct-taped her while she was sleeping. Yeah. Sometimes, now, though, when kids are out, they're out. They're not going to wake up. Right, and I there's a part of me that does believe... Um, to an extent that maybe if John Ramsey himself didn't actually commit the crime, there does seem to be a hint of inside work going on yeah. because the fact that this dude is going through your house, you don't hear a word. You never hear your daughter. You never hear the footsteps. You never hear. You, you, you were just opening the door to another theory that I was, I was going to. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. No, you were going down that path. Okay. I want you to continue, but I'm just so letting you know you're, you're my, on it. My, my personal theory, based on what I knew as a kid growing uh-huh. up and continue hearing as the cases continue to go on as far as the speculations for years and years and years, and then reading all these notes, my personal theory is that John Ramsey is still involved in some degree. No, yeah. maybe his wife wasn't. Maybe I don't know. She's dead. Yeah. But and you know he's still not talking a whole lot. My thing of it is is like I think that there's a good possibility even maybe if he didn't actually commit the crime, he had someone else do it. Okay. So here's the other theory. This is the one of the main theories. Right. This is not a fantastical theory. Patsy, like I said, was sick. She mm-hmm. had breast cancer and she was not doing good. She was more than likely on pain pills, not level-headed, not, not in a good place. There is also evidence that Patsy was very, um, she would fly off the handle. She was always like that. Mm-hmm. She, there was instances where she would backhand John Bonet, and, like smack her, basically, or push her, because she was just, she wasn't in a good mindset. And she might have been prone to violence, who knows. I did say in so, here that, uh, in the notes, that she was um, like a like had pageant mother behavior. She did. She was very controlling and, and perfectionist and wanted John Bonet. So what I'm thinking, you know, and, and this is a popular theory, is she lost her mind, backhanded John Bonet, John Bonet fell and hit her head, John Bonet fell down the stairs. Who knows? You know, she pushed her, who knows? Now, well, crap, she's got a brain injury, so she strangles her. And then the dad, not wanting the mom to go to prison because, you know, he's going to lose her, realizes he lost his daughter. He's going to help the mom get out of this. The dad didn't actually do anything. Except cover it up. Except cover it up. But when they're looking at DNA and they're looking at, you know, causation, they're focused on the dad. And, of course, his stuff is not there. Of course, his DNA is not there. Mm. So now they can't get him. They've tried to get him, but they can't. Well, now we don't know who did it. That is, that's the main theory of this case. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, because with as much as I've, I've read, and, and like I said, just knew from my base knowledge of it, uh-huh. and, and, the, and even, like, right here, and it's funny because as I was looking down notes, this, this piece of, uh, uh, from a pathologist comes up. I mean, it just literally just jumped out at me. Trace amounts of DNA can get on places and clothing from all different non-suspicious means. There is no forensic evidence to show that this is a stranger murder. So, which means that there's no forensic evidence mm-hmm. to show that this happened by just someone coming in the house 
and murdering and sexually assaulting John Bennett, that someone who knew her did this because there was there was no evidence to suggest otherwise because usually there's some kind of external evidence as well. Like, I mean, let's think about it. It's December 25th in Boulder, Colorado, right? So does it talk anything anywhere at all about, like, prints? Like, I'm assuming there's probably snow in Boulder, yeah. Colorado on December oh, 25th. Yeah. It was a very snowy day. So was there footprints leading to and from a vehicle, leading to and from the house? Like, you know, there should be especially if it's like a window or a door to a basement, you would see something like that. Yeah. And they did have the footprint on the window, on the wall, though. Yeah, but that's fine. So, I mean, you can take a dirty boot or dirty shoe yeah. and smack up against the wall to make the print. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my thing of it is, is like, and there had to be, and if someone came in from the outside, there would have had to have been like, if not snow, but there had to have been like water from the melted snow, you know, by there by the door or the window or whatever. So my thing of it is, is it was... My th- my personal theory is this came from the inside. Yeah, it it makes the most sense. The attack came from the inside. Um, also, though, you know, there's some stupid theories, obviously. Oh yeah. But one that made was really suspicious was the John Mark Carr guy. He was 41. He was an elementary school teacher, mm-hmm. and he was arrested in Bangkok uh, when he falsely confessed to murdering John Bonet. He knew a lot of details about her and what happened at the crime scene, and he was a pedophile, right? And that would make the most sense to me if it wasn't the family. Like I said earlier, the pedophile found her and followed her. Uh, He ended up, you know, his his confessions were false. They found that out. Um, Obviously, nothing happened. But it's weird that people confess to stuff like this for the fame, you know? Or they just want the fantasy of I'm the one that did it. Mm-hmm. It just mucks up uh, the investigation for everybody else, and took what this did was it took the focus off the family. It took the focus off of trying to figure out what really happened. Right. So he's kind of a, a bastard for doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's man. I don't know. Like, I just, I to me, like this whole thing just screams. Like I said, inside job. And you know, whenever inside job was brought up after that point, once they were found. The police said they had nothing to do with it. And they exonerated the family. Once they exonerated the family, you know what happened every time it was reopened or somebody pointed a finger at him? Defamation suit from John's company, and, and he had millions, yeah. right? because he's, he's the president of the company, yeah. which, which became actually, from what I read, a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. Yeah, and the company is going to try to protect their president, too. Right. So it's like, defamation, don't talk about us, don't bring us into this. And that kept happening and happening to where the police were just like, you know what, we're not even going to try, because every time we get close to this, this happens. Even the news, reporters were slapped with it. What do you what do you do at this point? Right. There's nothing there to connect him. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, because that's I mean, yeah, because every time, because I mean, since Boulder PD and then everybody else, you know, all these other investigators mm-hmm. exonerates John Ramsey. At this point, yeah, because now he could say, look, all this evidence exonerated me. Now you're just trying to, you know, basically, you know, sling mud. So here you go. Here's a lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily buy the intruder theory unless. The intruder was already in the house, and in my personal theory, which kind of is like the Vasilakis murder thing, like I said, there's a lot. Like, if that's the theory that everybody goes with, there's a lot of connection there. There there is another thing that people think that 
the intruder knew they were at a Christmas party, so he did break in and, and wait. Right. That makes sense, too. I mean, none of these theories don't make sense, right? It's just what makes more sense. Right. I don't... The intruder theory, like I said, to me, if there is an intruder, he was already there, I think, would be my yeah. personal theory. And they did find blood on her underwear mm-hmm. that didn't match anybody at the house. Did you know that? Um, I didn't, um, it's not in these notes, but I was reading it before you got here. Yeah. I just, if that's the case and it didn't belong to anybody that was there at the house, that's hard to explain, but I, I mean, but like I said, if that's the case, I still think that John Ramsey had something to do with it. Yeah. Or at least, because I mean, like, even like it says, like when Burke was questioned about it as an adult, you know, he made mention that they were never spanked as children. They were never hit. They were never abused. Yeah. Um, that they came from a loving house. Uh, uh, psychologists who have talked to family members and stuff and friends of the family basically said it was a happy, healthy, caring uh, household. There was some interviews with Burke, too, that were kind of off-putting. Like, it's he was nine years old. Mm-hmm. He kind of had almost an autistic vibe to him. He was so disconnected. When they were interviewing him. It, yeah, I remember seeing those videos as kids. Yeah. Uh, when we were growing up. I mean, see, 96, I would have been 11. He was extremely disconnected and just... He looked like he just did not care. And I think part of that might be, A, he's nine years old. He doesn't know what's happening. He's very confused. Yeah. And probably in a bit of shock, especially now that they're being... I mean, you got to think nine years old and you're in the middle of a courtroom or you're talking to investigators and there's cameras everywhere, there's people everywhere. This right. is a whole disconcerting thing for, for yeah. a child of that age. Plus, you don't know what death is at that age. It's like, oh, she'll be back. You know, like you don't understand the mag- magnitude of what's happening. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, for a nine-year-old to... I mean, unless they've gone through death in the family before, yeah, and say this is the first time he's ever experienced. It's a, it's a definitely a new and and troublesome feeling. Yeah. So there might be, you know, he's dealing with that on top of now all this other stuff. Right. It just could be shock, right? And it very well Everybody could be. Everybody acts different. Yeah, I mean, shock. especially if he was close to his sister. I mean, if if that's the case, and he just lost. I mean, because they were only three years apart. Yeah. So I mean, if that's the case, I mean. This could be total, complete shock for, for Burke. I honestly think that there is an answer there at the crime scene. There was an answer there. You had another perfect storm, just like the Keddie Cadman murders, another perfect storm of terrible police work, you know, contamination of the crime scene, opportunistic. Um, the people who did it were opportunistic, whoever they happened to be. Uh, if it was the parents, they covered it up very well, and... I think their goal was not only to cover up the murder, but to do so by muddying the water so much that, you know, by influencing what happened mm. from the point of the body being found on, that it just muddied the water so much that there couldn't be a conclusion, right? True. Like, this is... Um, Wouldn't that make more sense than actually framing somebody? Because right. there's a definite answer of framing somebody. If you can't find the answer, well, no one will ever know. Right. That is very, very smart. There's um all right, so let's let's say that we're doing the um the little intruder theory. Uh-huh. Um, which I, I believe part of. I think there there's a good possibility there's there's two connections here. Or that both theories are connected, right? You would rather have the intruder do it than the parents too, because 
when the parent having the parents guilty, it's just too real. It's right. like I can't believe that would happen, right? Well, I mean, and that's the thing is almost any in the news anymore. You always hear about parent hurting exactly. their child. So I mean, it's yeah. not. And just because you come from a wealthy white collar home does not make you any less susceptible to right. being a monster. And hearing it's an intruder, it's like, well, it's a, a lucky, unlucky number. Like right. it happens. Well, that's like like hearing the notes. It talks about that it had been determined there had been over a hundred burglaries in the Ramsey's neighborhood in the months before Jean Benet's murder. There were thirty eight registered sex offenders living within a two-mile radius of the Ramsey's home. And in 2001, former Boulder County prosecutor Tripp DeMuth and Boulder County Sheriff's Detective Steve Ainsworth stated there had been a more, there should have been a more aggressive investigation of the intruder theory. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, because, I mean, we all know that um, that the police, law enforcement in general, really pursued the parents as being the ones who propagated all right. this. And, and so if, if they had shifted gears, it might've been and, and said, okay, we can't see any evidence conclusively that points to the parents. Then yes, we need to pursue this because there is nothing here. Yeah. So let's assume that, that, that the intruder theory is, is, is on. They didn't pursue a lot of it. And they didn't really pursue really any of it at all. And then there was actually one of the lead investigators actually resigned because there was so much political stuff going on in, in Colorado at the time and so much pressure for conviction that the, the one of the lead investigators, because there was two, resigned because it wasn't being pursued, that, yeah. the, that, the, that the intruder theory wasn't being pursued. So he was just like, if you guys aren't going to deal with this, because we can't see any evidence here conclusively, mm -hmm. then I'm out. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, the lead detective that came out of retirement. He had retired, came out of retirement to pursue the case as a lead investigator, and basically when no one was listening to his his uh, information, his he theories. just backed yeah. back out. Well, a lot of it, too, is this is 96, and child murders, yeah, they happened, but they weren't taken as seriously. Right. The way, okay, I watch a lot of crime shows, right? And a lot of crime shows take place in the 70s or 80s, you know, early 90s. The thing they do when, when a kid goes missing, it's always the same on a crime show. The parents will freak out. They'll go to the police. The police will say, well, how long have they been missing? The parents will say, you know, eight hours. The police are like, we'll come back at 72. They're probably just out riding bikes. They're probably, right. they ran away. They'll come back. The parents are like, no, they're gone. But the police don't see it. They didn't see it that way back then. It wasn't until I believe the late 90s or early 2000s that the whole Amber Alert, like the, I think it's called like Megan's Law or something like that. Mm. I'm not sure what it is. But the police, as soon, you know, when a minor goes missing, is reported missing, even if it was for an hour, the police have to immediately take action. Yes. You cannot wait. Well, because right? like, what is it? Like within 24 hours, the trail starts to go cold. Exactly. And they're probably dead within the first 72 hours or whatever. Mm. So what I think happened here, you see this shift where the police come in, they're just kind of la-li-la, la-li-la, taking their time. Oh, here's a note. Cool. Hey, nice elephant on the mantle. You know, they're just... And then once the body is found, that's when the police say, oh, shit, we have to... This is serious now. But they've spent that whole time before the body was found muddying up everything and, <laughs> you know? So it's like that's what makes it impossible to solve now. Right. So... If we, so let's see, there is another part that kind of stuck out and it's kind of maybe 
not saying changing my mind. It is a little bit because there's okay. some stuff. So, all right. So, one of the individuals whom Smith identified as a suspect was Gary Howard Olivia. Oh, yeah. Who was arrested for two counts of attempted sexual exploitation of a child and one count of sexual exploitation of a child uh, back in June of 2016 according to Boulder's Daily Camera. Olivia, a registered sex offender, was publicly identified as a suspect in an October 2002 episode of 48 Hour Investigates. The killing of Jean Benet, the truth and cover, broadcast by E.N.E. on September 5, 2016, concluded that the unidentified male was responsible for Jean Benet's death based on forensic DNA analysis of evidence. Dr. Lawrence Kobolinski commented that the documentary showed that the intruder committed that sexual assault and murdered Jean Benet. And that the district attorney's office investigating pedophiles indicated the former Denver prosecutor, Craig Silverman, that the district attorney's office followed the intruder theory. Silverman said, once you have conceded the possibility of intruder, I don't see how any Ramsey could have ever been successfully prosecuted. So, I mean, right. I mean, I guess, I, you know, that's just true. That with if you got blood and, and a little girl's underwear that doesn't match anybody's. Yeah. But, like I said, just because that's true does not necessarily take the Ramseys off the table as being involved. It doesn't. Because that's the, that's the thing that, that still throws me off, is if your daughter has been sexually assaulted or murdered, mm-hmm. you would be as cooperative with law enforcement as humanly possible um, to bring justice to this case. Right. And if you're just constantly, you know, just roadblocking every chance you get. But you also do have to look at it from their point of view. It doesn't look good for them. Right. So they are going to be a little apprehensive because, yeah, look at the situation. Dude, her body was 20 feet below us this whole time. And, you know, there's no evidence and all that. So from their point of view, yeah, I wouldn't want to help the police either because I'm going to go down for it. <laughs> right. Even if I'm not guilty. Right. But that thing is like if you would, I don't know, like to me there's... Like I said, I, and like I said earlier, I'm not necessarily saying that the Ramseys are involved. I'm saying it's a possibility, but you know, that's the thing. I don't know, and I'm never going to act like I know. No, because I, nobody knows. Right. I would just. I guess I would. I. I mean, I'm. Like I said, it would not be a hard hard pass of a theory to say, okay, that it's definitely a pedophile who's been stalking, you know, child pageants and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it happens a lot. And like frequently. I said, there's, they said there was 38 registered. Yeah. So, I mean, and I don't know how the law in Colorado was back in 1996. It may not have been a requirement. It might not have been. Um, and I mean, the guy that was, uh, confessed to killing her was a school teacher. You know, there turn, had to be something in his past that. In turn, well, I mean, he was he, he was in Thai, he was in Thailand, you know. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, he was a school teacher here. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I if mean, if he had something in his past and was still a school teacher, they probably didn't have strict regulations. You well, know that's I mean? what I'm saying. A lot of pedophiles fly to Thailand. They do, yeah. It's yeah. a it's a very well known fact. Yeah. And I mean, so I mean, it that's probably why he was in Thailand, especially in yeah. Bangkok. So I mean. I mean, my whole thing of it is, is like to read all this, it would be hard to rule out and you can't rule out the pedophile. I mean, there's 38 registered near the the home within two miles. It just, to me, like I said, it's just, What would make the pedophile or intruder thing a hundred percent plausible? Um, because they did find the blood, you know, all that stuff. 
what would make it completely plausible is if the body was not there. If they found the body outside, if they found the body in a park, wherever. Because then that just puts, you know, proof in the pudding there that somebody left the house with the body. Yeah. Would that do it for you? If they could find no reason why the Ramses were involved, but they found blood on her underwear, which they did, that did not involve anyone, that didn't belong to anyone there, and then the body was gone, would that would that make you believe that they weren't involved? I mean, like I said, that's the thing is like, if say someone had gotten up disturbed what they were doing they would have left the body in a hurry right because yeah. you got to get you know you got to get out of dodge so yeah. i don't know man like i said there's but i highly doubt that john would take his daughter's body and leave it somewhere right that is very risky for somebody mm. like him Especially in the community like that. Everybody knows who he is. Or the neighbors would say, I saw John's SUV leave last night. Is everything okay? Oh, really? Oh. Huh. <laughs> and I'm, I'm guessing they probably had security cameras or something. Actually, they probably didn't because they would have seen who did it. <laughs> well, let's... Maybe the neighbors had them. I don't know. Well, I tell you what. So... We'll continue with this little theory because there's other stuff here, and I just saw the other list of notes. So you have... Where are you looking right now? On the little packet here. Okay. So to follow up on the Olivia thing, he allegedly admitted to killing the girl accidentally. So... Accidentally or not, you're still a freaking murderer. Yeah, he's, he is said to have admitted to killing a child abuse queen by accident. The 54-year-old is serving 10-year sentence for child abuse image charges. But the crime plus investigation documentary has another theory. 12 years before John Benet's broken body was found, another little girl was murdered in Thornton, Colorado, a town just 25 miles from where the Ramseys oh, lived. Wow. Tracy Neef was just seven when she was abducted on her way to school. Wow. So Tracy Neve was abducted and murdered in a town just 25 miles from where John Benet lived. Her body was later found in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains close to Boulder. Retired police officer Jim Benish had set up a cold case unit to examine the crime, and he came across the names of two brothers, Todd and Aaron Sean Law, in 1993 had both lived in Thornton. Aaron already had a criminal record for pedophilia activity. While he was carrying out the probe into what happened to Tracy, Jim received a disturbing phone call. Aaron moved to the island of Co- Kauai in Hawaii 10 days earlier and had just been arrested for the murder of Lacey Ruff. So basically, what we're going down is this rabbit hole. Yeah. Okay. So he said, so, so Gary Olivia allegedly admitted to killing the girl by accident. Then you've got this whole other thing basically about Tracy Neef and his connection to that. So now we're about to go into another rabbit hole about basically how these brothers were tied into a child abuse ring. Yeah. So Todd testified against his brother, Aaron, following the murder of Lacey Ruff in Hawaii. The four-year-old had been sexually assaulted, and her partially naked body was found drifting just off the shore. His own brother, Todd, called police and told the officers that his brother was the one responsible. Aaron faced trials now behind bars for little Lacey's murder. His brother had to give evidence as trial and said it is the hardest thing... I've ever had to do? I ever had to do. This is my brother, and I know what he did is terrible, but I know I want him to know that I love him. So, according to what this thing is saying, that there's a possibility 
Uh, this had to do with a child abuse ring, which we yeah. know we, we know they exist. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, look how many pedophiles there are out there. I mean, let's look know? at the Jeff Epstein case. Yeah. Okay, that's going on as we speak. Right. So, and that the internet just won't let go away. There's pedophiles so, everywhere, and just because a murder happened and there was a pedophile there, I mean, it could have been anybody in that area. You never know with those. There's so many of them. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, it, it, is, it is a strange thing, and it is. And John could have worked. Somebody at his office could have been in the pedophile ring and known that he had a beauty pageant daughter. I mean, this could go anywhere, Yeah, right? I mean, if, especially if you're, like I said, the thing that still throws me off and like I said, I guess it doesn't throw me off. This is like you have the ransom letter. So my question is, you have this ransom letter or you take the time to write one yeah. to throw off people, whatever. Right. But you literally killed the girl in the basement. Like, So you've got the garrote. And let's say that someone's disturbing stuff upstairs. You can hear people moving around and you whack her across the head in an effort to kill her. Yeah. Because now you're. You're, you're behind. Well, with the letter, they obviously had intentions of taking the girl. Because but, the letter says they're holding her ransom, but right? But why, why put the girl on in the house? Well, that's, that's... Okay, so either they had the intention of taking her, right. because the letter states so, right. or it's all just a cover-up, and the letter was just meant to be thrown off, throwing people off. Yeah, right? it was a red herring, right? Yeah. If they intentionally meant to take her, they ended up murdered in a hurry because somebody woke up. Who knows what happened? Right. Or it's a cover-up. There's only two options to this, you know. That's Those true. options play out in a variety of ways. Right. There's little interchangeable details in those options. Right, and that's kind of what throws me off, I guess. And I'm, I'm sure. But the main two theories are either the family was in on it, and it was an accident that was covered up, or it was an outside force, i.e., a pedophile or or a, mur a serial killer, whatever it be. So, it's it's really hard to tell. I mean, nobody's ever going to know at this point. I don't think it's ever going to happen. The only way um, we would find out is when John dies. I mean, he's getting up there now. He's in his late 60s or something now. Yeah. The only way we're ever going to know is if he confesses on his deathbed, hey, my wife killed her. You know, I helped cover it up. I don't want to die with the secret. I mean, that's the only way we're going to find out at this point. I hate to say it, but... Yeah, I mean, there, I don't think there's going to be anything conclusive. I mean, because like you said, I mean, there's people milling around the house. Yeah. You know, John disturbed the evidence when he found his daughter and picked her up and stuff. Um, so the I mean, work was just terrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like I said, I mean, I'm sure that there's, you know, there was, you know, if... You know, he's innocent and stuff, but there's just, it's the father losing his mind over his dead child, especially since she's only six. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no way that we're ever going to really know. Um, you know oh, the, there was another thing, too. Um, he had reportedly, when they, f after, before the body was found, John had reportedly been going in and out of the house while the cops were there getting on his cell phone and calling people in and out of the house. He did not respond emotionally that she was missing. He was all business in and out all morning until the body was found. 
And that's a fact. Like, people had said that. Even the cops had said, this is odd. He wasn't frantically looking until they had told him and that other guy, go look in the basement. He had not looked. Hmm. So when they showed up, he was sitting in his chair, you know, just waiting for the cops. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, that just totally blows me away. I, I, like I'd I said, be checking the bushes. I'd be running outside. Yeah. I'm, when I, like, like I said, I'm a father of two boys. And I don't have them all the time. Me and their mom are divorced. Yeah. But if my ex-wife called me and said, hey, I just woke up and the kids are gone. Right. Get the flashlight. We're going. Let's you know, go look. I would be, okay, call the cops. I'm on my way. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing I would be doing is, are you sure they're not hiding from you? Did right. you look everywhere? Did you look outside in the garage shed? Did you look on the trampoline? You know, I'd be, I'd be out there looking. Mm-hmm. You know, those are my boys. And, you know, I'm going to try to preserve as much as I can, you know, to make sure that, like, hey, you know, is the window broken to the bedroom yeah. or whatever? You know, that way I don't disturb certain evidence that I can personally see. Yeah. But that's not going to stop me from looking for my kids. No. And when you're just kind of like sit back and you're just kind of like, wait till they get here, then we'll start looking. Yeah, that just that just blows my mind. Like, yeah. I guess it's like the, I don't know. Uh, like, you could be in shock, and I get that, but nothing has happened yet to put you in shock. Like, yeah, your daughter's missing, but you're still in that reactive state where you're not quite in shock yet. I feel like the shock would have came when the body was found, right? Because then there's something physical to look at, right? That's true. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I to be honest, I'm more perplexed about our true crime episodes than I am ever about our paranormal ones. I know. Because, like, it just... The, what is it? Truth is stranger than fiction. fiction. Well, I mean... It and, really is. I mean, even in paranormal, I mean, let's assume that, you know, like, you know, because we, we talk about those topics, that, you know, the, I think the ghost stories are, are real, the UFO stories are real. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is, is, like, those are spirits and aliens and stuff, and they react to their whatever but they have patterns too to the most part yeah most, most ghosts have patterns and, and and then you have these it's like what you know you go to waverly and throw the ball down the, yeah. the, the hall and then the ball comes back it's a pattern right yeah we have these people and whether it's the family an intruder whoever mm-hmm. and there's evil intent and you know the human element is by itself. Because we're mean, free thinkers. I mean, there's no pattern to our behavior. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's, you know, like okay, geese act like geese, dogs yeah. act like dogs, fish act like fish. Right. You know, every species and breed has their programmed behavior. Yeah. And humans, although in a in a herd mentality, you know, in, in that mob mentality, we we do things as a collective. Mm-hmm. As a society, but in, as an individual, there's nothing more haywire than a human in panic mode, either. Right. Right. So I mean, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, it's hard pressed. Other maybe, you know, primates that, you know, like you know, orangutans and chimpanzees, where they, you know, any other species in the world that will go out and just heinously commit the murder for no reason of yeah. their fellow their fellow kind. Or try to cover a murder up and not know why you tried to cover it up yeah. other than the fact that it was in your house. Like, yeah, this is just bizarre. I mean, like, the whole thing... I mean, the biggest thing is, the biggest thing, even beyond what we we can surmise and we can sit and theorize, 
the biggest takeaway is almost like the Keddy Cabin murder case. Mm. The biggest that we that we covered here what a month ago, two months ago. Oh yeah, it's been a couple months. Was is the fact that this is and not to throw law enforcement under the bus because I have massive respect for law enforcement. Yeah. But there was a lot of bungling in this case. Very much. And that's the biggest takeaway is that if there had been by the book police work more well more aggressive yeah and that's what i was talk. that's why i was saying it's so frustrating because we had the technology this could have been solved i think so 1996 dude they got oj you know well they didn't get him but they could have solved it yeah the, the dna testing and everything we could have solved this yeah this is this is definitely i think a pretty solvable case yeah i just looking at this man it just it's hard to look at it and go with and and kind of like the Keddie Cabin murder case too, is these three cases. One of the things that we take away from from those three cases that we've talked about mm-hmm. is that there's police bungling. Very much. So we have John Bonet, Keddie Cabin. Yeah. And what was the other one we mentioned uh, just a second ago? Hinder, hinder, the axe one. No. Is that- but there's three cases we've done where we. Uh, true crime that we've we just literally said it I, I just mind blanked anyway yeah so we've talked about three true crime cases right and in all three cases one of the biggest takeaways is that there was a nonchalant p- police work. yeah and just not not super aggressive yep. you know not really chasing the leads just like in the kitty cabin case we have that kid going hey so-and-so's missing she's not here and they find her remains what what was it six months later so the biggest part too of the police bungling was people in and out of the house. That is a fact. Right. Family members, friends, neighbors would were coming in and out of the house, treading their snow and dirt, all this stuff. If it was intentional, and it's true that John immediately went out on the phone and ca- started calling people and telling them to come over, which is what the speculation is, he was involved because he's in you know. He's intentionally covering it up, messing the crime scene up. Yeah, he's and he was a smart guy, dude. Yeah, he, th- he's not dumb. Yeah, this guy. I mean, he was known for being smart. Right. This guy was known for being uh, and just unintentionally, intentionally messing it up by having people tread in and out of the house. That's genius, right? Yeah. Because now you know you got these friends and family and neighbors coming over and they're like, "Oh, we're so sorry," you know, "We're so sorry," and they're walking through the house. And, and the, the cops aren't seeing it as anything, but he just needs support. He's grieving. Well, really, he's covering it up. Yep. Because now he's like looting them through the house. Hey, do you want a cup of coffee? Exactly. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's you know he's putting in the you know the legwork to cover it up. Yeah. So I mean, to me, it, it is like I said, and it. Without anything conclusive, and there's not, Mm-mm. it's it's hard to rule out that he was involved in some the, degree. The only thing that is conclusive is that they did not find John or Patsy's DNA on the body or near the body. Right. That's the only thing that this case has offered, and that's the only thing that has got them off the hook. Right. And that's what I'm saying is that that's why there was, I think they got someone to do this for them. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. And I, I didn't see it in any of our notes. Was there an insurance policy on the girl? I don't think so, but I don't I don't know. I've never read anything like that. So what would be the motive for killing this girl? Well, the only motive, you know, are you talking about from an accident perspective? or Because if it was an outside intruder, mm-hmm. the motive is just psychotic behavior, right? <laughs> if it was an inside thing, 
the only motive I can think of would be an accident. She, he, I hit her in the face and she fell and hit her head. You know. Well, yeah, but, there, gotta, but there's no, but there's no evidence because you like said there's there was blood on John Bonet's panties that yeah. would, that would suggest. And it didn't match anyone in the house, right? Including Jabonet, right? So, what if she, they were at a Christmas party the night before with family, friends, and business people, right? What if John Bonet was sexually assaulted at the party? At the party, and they followed her back and killed her to make sure she didn't say anything. Oh, well, maybe. What if the, you know, some creepy uncle was at the party? Uh, raped her or tried to rape her. They came home. The uncle, whoever, followed them back, killed her because he knew that she would wake up the next morning and eventually start talking about it. Right. She's sick. She's not going to know what happened. Yeah, because she... Uncle Timmy touched me funny. You know, he doesn't want that. Right. So that's another theory. We could come up with theories all day. I mean, it's possible, right? but I mean, I guess. I mean that's a very possible theory. I can't imagine though if you were even if you were at some big hollow hollow you know Christmas party, letting your six year old daughter just like you let her out of your sight. Because you know like, how much that happens though. I know. That's I, how pedophiles operate. That's how they are successful. Because like because parents just assume oh I know him like, you know like okay like over the summer like we had a family pool pass at the pool uh, right. So we were going to the pool, me, my estranged wife, and our three kids. Well, you know, you know, my two biological kids and her biological child. Yeah. You know, we go to, we'd go to the pool quite often. Or I would just take the boys, like if they were going doing whatever, their own thing. And there'd be sometimes I didn't want to get in the water. And I would go with the boys. And I would sit in a spot where I had a visual of the entire pool. Yeah, but Casey, you're 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 over you're hypersensitive now in this climate because of stuff like this. Right. Well, that's because true. 25 years ago, this is almost 25 years ago, people weren't thinking like this. That's true. You know, so I, you you can't really compare today's. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean that's true too because like I mean when I was a kid growing up, I mean it wasn't uncommon for you know. Like, I'll tell you this: when I was uh, 10 or 11 years old, my mom worked nights in a factory. My dad worked in construction. Mm-hmm. And it was not uncommon. Like, we were home during the summer. So while my mom slept and my dad's at work, we were up doing our own yeah. thing. So we're just out riding bikes, knocking on random people's door, going over to somebody's house. Oh we, were, oh, we were not allowed to leave the yard. Really? Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, we could go out inside and play, but we were not allowed to leave the yard. See, we would drive all the way down to the farmhouse down there, and there's houses down there. And, right. you know, nobody cared back then, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the 90s was definitely a different time for sure. Yeah. But. I mean, I don't know, like, to me, I just, at a busy party, I just, I couldn't imagine, but. But, honestly, most um, sexual assault, when when people grow up and it it comes to a head and they finally start talking about it, the pattern of this, most sexual assault on on minors happens at these events. Right. That is the weird thing about it. It's never when they're alone with somebody you know, getting hot chocolate at somebody's house. It's always at these parties or get-togethers or something. Probably some drunk dude. Where it's easy to slip in and, and nobody's paying attention to you, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it makes sense. I mean, I, I really – the one crime that I absolutely hate talking about is pedophilia. I hate it, right? I wish – obviously, we wish it never exists. You know, it was it, – everybody's innocent and all that stuff. But the sad reality is 
most of these crimes revolve around pedophilia. They, right. they no. really do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, because that's the thing is like, like that's even been. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's even they even talk about it as the theory in here. And here's another thing too, and I just saw, um, is that the Jean Benet Ramsey murder, right? Pedophile, uh, pedophile who confessed to killing six year old wanted to eat her. So I mean. Man, I mean, you have these sick individuals, and let's say that this—I mean, I don't know. He wanted to eat her like a cannibal. I, wow! Your your speculation is good. That's as mine. a good episode too. Is the cannibal cop? Yeah. Let's talk about that sometime. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's. I, I I mean, and my whole thing of it is is like, it's not. Pedophilia is is this sick and disgusting mindset. Yeah. Um, whether it's a mental illness or whatever it is. You were trying to take innocence away from somebody. Yeah. It's the closest humanly thing I could think of to demonic activity. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, I I can't think of a more disturbing crime than that. Because like I said, I mean, if you know, because they definitely have, Because they covered the ped- pedophilia part pretty extensively in our notes, mm-hmm. it would be hard pressed to not to, or, or, or I guess it would it would be it would be hard to completely brush that under the rug. It, but yet, it's still hard to sit and say that John Ramsey's not involved in some degree. It is hard to degree. say that, um, you yeah. know, because he was not cooperative. He was not um, the little things he was doing was. Weird. Yeah, he didn't seem all that. Until he found Upset. the body, right. but that could have been a freaking stage show. Could have been. He could have Tom Cruised it for for us, you know. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, dude. I mean, I just. <sighs> yeah, I know you're du- you're dumbfounded, it, right? It, it just, just why? Because because I mean, that's what this case does to you. <laughs> it really does because there's nothing aside from basically saying because just like you said. Yeah. There is no DNA evidence found near the body that would put John or uh, Patricia near her at the time of her death. Right. That's it. That's all you get out of this whole case is that if they're involved to some degree, either John or Patsy. When you kill somebody, you're going to leave evidence there, period. Right. It's just going to happen. I don't know, man. Whether it be John Bonet scratching. Yeah. They never found anything under her fingernails, too. And that's a thing. When they have raped murder victims, they always claw people. Well, her wrists were bound, though. Yeah. So. So there, there's another option that didn't happen, right? Right. I mean, you know, there's there's nothing aside from the fact that the parents' DNA was not found near the body. Yeah. I mean, there's just nothing. I mean, that's it. That's all. That's, that's the it, only thing. That's the only real takeaway from it is they were if 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 it was an inside gig, they were really good at covering this up. But the thing is. I don't honestly, I don't believe that anybody is that good at covering stuff up to where they can be that precise. Because you can't see DNA. You right. can't see it. Right. How are you going to know? I think. Are you going to come in with a hazmat, hazmat suit and killer? Like, like I said, I'm not saying that they actually committed the crime. Yeah. I think they got some, a third party involved. Yeah. I, I, my, my thesis is I just don't know. Right. right? I, mean, I and, have no idea what I happened. Mean, I. I have two okay two theories that I 
that I'm that I'm sticking by two theories. And, yeah. I, and honestly, it's the more detailed versions of both. Be careful, you'll get sued for defamation by right. John if you're not careful. So one theory for me is is that, and I think honestly, it's still kind of both theories are still intruder theories. Mm-hmm. The first theory is that John Ramsey got a third party involved for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. It never speaks to a motive. There's no motive because if he doesn't have an insurance policy on his yeah. kids, then there's no payout financially. Not that he needed one. Yeah. But then the second theory for me is that a pedophile would have had to been involved. Yeah. That's the one that makes more sense to me. I got to say, because I really, I, I do want to point the finger at John, but the, the DNA thing is hard for me to get past. Right. That's just hard for me to, to assume that he had something to do with it if there was no DNA found. Right, and that's kind of my thing, too, is I... Like I said, I'm not erasing John from being involved. Yeah. And why was there blood on her panties? That does not make sense. That does not make sense. And the fact that it doesn't match anyone at exactly. all. Exactly. They've ever tested. Yeah. So... It, it's very possible with all the pedophiles that were living in the area and all the crime that was happening in that area. Yeah. Um, it's very possible that there's something more to it. But the again, the ransom note and the details in the ransom note about you know him using his southern charm, mm-hmm. uh, for John to use his southern charm to do what he needs to do, um, the details about the phone calls, the details about... They almost made the pers- the ransom note too personal, though. Right. It's like, you wrote this about yourself, didn't you? <laughs> right? And that's the thing is they did a handwriting analysis and it didn't match John or Yeah, Patsy's. that's another thing that's crazy, right? Like, that didn't match at all. And usually that's pretty accurate. So I just... To me, I don't know, man. Like I said, the only real takeaway is the fact that they didn't actually commit the crime itself. Yeah. The DNA evidence is lacking. But what is there that would motivate them to cover something like this up if they didn't commit it themselves, right? Uh, right. What is the point? There mm-hmm. is none that I can think of. Unless there's something deeper and darker we don't know about. Maybe John had secrets that the pedophile ring wanted to get out there and he turned his blind hey, eye. you know what? Maybe you know? that's what those initials are on that ransom letter yeah. is it was the pedo- it's a pedophile ring. Because they could blackmail you, just like the mob would do. Hey, guess what? We know that you slept with this girl, and she was underage. Um, we your want turn? your daughter, yeah. right? Yeah. Or we're going to tell the national media that you did that. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, dude. Now, uh, you got to be a sick, evil mofo to, to trade in your daughter to save your own ass. Like, you got to be... You deserve the death penalty for that. Right. Right. I mean, that's a pretty. I mean, and yeah. I mean, I if don't. If you're think, selling your daughter to the ring so you could get free, you deserve to die. <laughs> yeah. I. I think, man. There's just so much. There's just so much here that, and it's just, and, and what, and <laughs> it's just like you don't, you don't. There's no answer. There's just. There's no answer. You're just like, well, for 24 years, it's just been. A crap spinning, show. Just nothing has came of it. Right. And they've tried to reopen the case. Netflix has stepped in and done, you know, in-depth documentary about yep. her, and it just never goes anywhere. Yeah, there's a guy named Robert Clark, a former FBI agent with 22 years experience, and he's looking at possible new suspects. Yeah. But it's like, man, what are you going... And every time they interview John, he just says, shut up and go away, right? Essentially. He doesn't give him anything. Yeah, I mean, and then so, he just throws out defamation suits. So. Why doesn't John stand up and say... 
hey, I think it might have been this person. He's never accused anybody. Right. Why doesn't he stand up and give his theory of what happened? That would be more believable. I think... Oh, excuse me. Um, I think, too... I don't know. I, I, to me, to if I was John Ramsey, I would be wanting to pursue, you know, closure to the case. What happened, of course. And it just seems like that's he just wants it to go away. It's it's human instinct to want to find out what happened, mm-hmm. especially if it involves your family, right? And the fact that he's so sh- uh, defeated and and just gives up on it is not. It doesn't make sense at all. To me, it's almost like like I said, I. I think he just he just wants it to go away. Yeah. He doesn't care about whether or not anyone's found. He just wants it to go but away. But why don't you care, dude? Right. It's right. your family and your reputation. Why don't you care? The only way you wouldn't care is because if you didn't want to see it resolved because you're guilty. Right. See, I mean, it, there, it goes back and forth. You would want to clear your name. Obviously, he cares what people think about him because... He's a president. He was the president of a major company. You're not going to want that floating around about about you, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, to me, it's like it goes back and forth. You get all these weird things that all, that lead you back to John, and then you see what evidence that there is that leads you to the intruder theory, and you're back and forth, and you're back and forth, and it's like, yeah. okay. And like I said, that's why one of my theories is, is I think John's involved, but he got a third party involved to step in and say, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah, he might have. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't either. <laughs> it's, the, it's one of the craziest cases, not even in American history, but in the world. Yeah. It's one of the most insane cases. And it's, it's, it, it's simplistic in a way. It's extremely simplistic. A little girl dies, found in her basement. Parents are guilty. But it's not. No, it because there's nothing to go on. It yeah. just it's theories, and then and all this evidence is tainted and destroyed, yeah. and and, and, and contem- the behavior is odd. Some behavior makes sense. Some is odd. I just yeah. I mean, there's I, people confessing to it that had nothing, had nothing to, to do no with connection it. Or, like yeah. that car dude. Like it, like even in the notes it says like he was basically just giving information that was already public. Have you seen him? Mm-mm. Look up him. Look a picture up of him. He is the weirdest looking little guy. Oh, I'm sure he looks yeah. just like I imagine. He's a anyway. weird looking little guy. But yeah, I mean, I just wanted to talk about this case because um, it is Christmas. <laughs> ho ho ho! It happened on Christmas. No, but like on a serious note, um, I I believe that John Bonet deserves. Um. John Bonet's six-year-old life deserves answers to why it was ended so early, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think even if, you know, obviously Patsy's dead, but even if John doesn't want answers, I feel like the uh, population deserves answers. Yeah. Burke deserves answers. And we need to know. And it's only the right thing to do for John to come forward. And, and if he knows anything, I'm not saying he does, but if he does, to say something, right? Oh, yeah. I remember seeing this guy. Yeah. He's a weird-looking little guy. Yeah. But it, it's a it's a very sad case, and it's very perplexing at the same time. It's very, very interesting. And if you have not done your studies on John Bonet Ramsey's case, I would do it. Get on Netflix and watch the casting John Bonet. It's pretty cool. What they do is they have uh, 
they tell the story of it, and then they have these actors kind of act out what they think happened. So, have you seen that at all? Uh huh. It's interesting. So, well, you know what else is interesting? As I'm looking up this guy, apparently John Mark Carr had a sex change. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, he's a weird dude. Yeah, evidently. But yeah, I think he got castrated, or uh, not castrated. What's it called when they lop it off? What's it called? Eunuch? Maybe. Made him a eunuch? Yeah. That's what I had heard. But yeah, wow. I mean, it's terrible that this happened, and and. Little John Bonet, I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's every parent's worst nightmare. And I think that's that's what makes this case even more odd, right, Casey? Oh, definitely, man. If it's every parent's nightmare and the way these parents responded to it doesn't match up. So take that with you. Oh, yeah. It's just, man, I don't know. This whole thing just yeah, is nuts. But it, it's a it's a... I hate to say it, it's a fun case. It really it's like playing clue, right? It is. I mean, it you're just kinda sitting there like like looking at all this evidence and looking at all these reports and you're just kinda like at the end of it, you're you're sitting here going There's nothing to go on. Yeah. There's nothing like could you imagine all right, let's say you're this FBI agent. That's who's the thing, there's so much here, but there's nothing of substance to go on. Right. I mean, you would literally have to look over every single report. Okay, so let's assume you're this ex-FBI agent who's got 22 years of experience, and now you're trying to find stuff out, the guy that just that's doing it right now. And you've got, what, probably thousands of pages of reports. Yeah. And tests and all this other stuff, and you're looking it over, and you know right now he's probably sitting there, and he's sitting at some desk, and he's looking at all this stuff, and he's got his little charts, and he's got his like timeline set up, and he's looking at everything. He's like, what did I just do? Because he's sitting there probably yeah. racking his brain, going over all this stuff, and going, there ain't crap. They've probably got storage, like storage like, bays. Like Indiana Jones? Yeah, full of just, you know, file boxes of this case, man. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure, dude. Like, so, I just, to me, the whole thing just reeks of just stupid. I mean, because it'll give it just, you a headache if you think about it too much. It really will. Yeah, because you're just like sitting here. Like I said, I mean, I, I knew pretty much public knowledge yeah. early about it. And I'm like over here looking at all this other stuff that we have. And I'm like looking it over and I'm like, there ain't crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? There ain't crap. The only thing I can say is if you do harm to a kid in any way, especially sexually, you deserve a fiery death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If she was, let's see. And if that's what happened to John Bonet, I hope they find who did it. If it was an accident from the parents, it's, it's a little, it still is absolutely terrible, but it's not as bad as a sexual assault on a child. Right? Right. So... Good gravy, man. It's bad. But, yeah, that's uh, 20 years ago, 23 years ago this Christmas. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, We're going to get back to you with some more paranormal stuff. We're going to start going into the stuff that Casey prefers, I think, the paranormal stuff, right? I mean, I like it all, but the paranormal stuff is stuff I have more working knowledge about isn't it weird that the paranormal stuff is more cut and dry than this you know yeah because i mean it's weird because like like say we talk about ghosts yeah all right you know we're talking about a haunting somewhere and we can talk about 
okay, who saw it? Where did they see it? Yeah. A lot of times it's in the same place, around the same time, whatever. There may or not may or may not be any photographic or EVP evidence or anything. Yeah. But you still have the eyewitness account, which sometimes, as we know, eyewitness accounts isn't always they're not that reliable. Reliable sometimes. But, you know, but when you have like kind of like your control, where you have like all these re- repeated, you know, yeah. reports come back, and it's you know they're and they're all saying the same thing. That's why, like. When cops interview a, a group of people, they separate them and have them tell their stories right. because you could pick out little details. Right. Same thing with ghost stories. If everybody tells the same details, it's got to be true. Okay, it's just like when we talked about the Hat Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, or you and you were te- well, you before we did the Hat Man episode, you told me about your experience, Hat Man, without yeah. knowing who he was, yeah. without knowing and anything about everybody else. And right? I'm like, and I'm sitting here and as you're telling me that story, and I'm like. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you go to, okay, let's say if you went to Story, Indiana, to the Story Inn. Right. And I didn't tell you anything about the blue lady. And you go over there and you stay overnight in the blue room. And you're like, dude, you'll never believe me. I started smelling perfume. And the covers came off. Yeah. And I felt hands on my thighs or whatever. I had the old tingly penis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Basically. And I'm like, no, you just had an encounter with the blue lady. And you're be like, oh, who is that? I'm Go, re- go. Did you read any of the, yeah, the if data? I, if uh, I had never seen anything about it and you brought it up, it'd be... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you can have that backup stories. Mm-hmm. But here, in these, like, true crime things, unless it's, like, a serial killer, and you have, like, this one-off, like, yeah. John Bonet. Serial killers follow patterns. Yes, their MO is almost always this the same. This does not follow any sort of pattern. Because there's nothing else that happened like it. Exactly. So, like I said, you have these one-off things and this... And it just, and you're just left scratching your head. Yeah. And this is what we're doing here. It's like Amityville. Yeah. Amityville, obviously he did it, mm-hmm. but why? Right. You because know? I, I mean, obviously, from what we know is that he was completely sane after they arrested him. Yeah. I think it. Well, it's just like we, you know, we've kind of talked about before, personally, without recording, is that. The movies make it more paranormal than it actually they, was. Yeah, yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren made it more um, sensationalized than what it was. And the movie, the movie that had Ryan Reynolds wasn't even about the DeFeo family. It was them after. It was he bought the house after them. Yeah, it was like a continuance. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that there's still something dark and evil in the right. Amityville house, but which is believable. You know, there it's believable, but I don't think it's going to persuade him. No, and that's what I'm saying. I think you know, like I said. Ed and Lorraine Warren were known shysters, mm-hmm. and we could talk about them in an, ep- in an episode because they're just, I'm not saying they made everything up, but they may, may, may made a lot of stuff up. They own a paranormal museum. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's so, a moneymaker right like there. I mean, we, like I said, there's stuff in the paranormal that's usually cut and dry, and you could say, okay, that's bunk, or you could say, yeah. this, is, this is legitimate. And here we have all these facts that, don't add up to anything. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a crazy case. And I would say it's one of my top five favorite cases to, to study. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for listening and have yourself a merry little Christmas. Yep. Uh, there's a good chance that will probably be dark next. Well, we will be dark. We probably won't be in, in the studio Friday, most likely. Um, 
You never know, though. We yep. might have our schedules open up, but we'll see. Yeah, it, it's a possibility. Um, we'll try to get something out. Um, but we'll, we, we'll do something paranormal next, so look out for that, right? Yeah, we... Uh, Our yeah. plan is to do one true crime and then a few paranormal here and there. So. Yeah, and, and definitely, like, when we talk about, like, D.B. Cooper, when we do the conspiracies and, like, um, yeah. as Jim Harold would put it, a head-scratcher or something, we we like to do different things that kind of accompany the mysteries. Mm-hmm. Like So kind of think of us as you're more... The uh, light-hearted and not as seriously scary unsolved mysteries. Okay, right. like we don't have Robert Stack in here with the creepy voice. I mean, true crime or not, but this is definitely an unsolved mystery. Oh, that's a fact. Yeah, that's a it fact. It plays out like a conspiracy theory. It really it? does. There's just yeah, because I mean, you don't. There's just not anything it's to fascinating. go on. I, it's one of those cases <laughs> where I don't have a lot to say about it, but my head spins around it, and all I can just say is just, wow. Like, it, it's so fascinating. I just, like I said, I, I mean, it. I don't know where to, like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. this whole thing. Nobody is, knows, dude. It's I, crazy. <laughs> I, I, thought I, would, I thought I would come away from this knowing how I lean. Yeah. And realistically, I have two theories just like everybody else. Right. And except the it all leads back to two options, and then both theories are still connected, so it just yeah, it doesn't help at all. But <laughs> it's, it's insane, <laughs> but yeah, look out for us. Thanks for supporting us and listening to us, and uh, make sure to share our stuff if you if you like it. Um, tell people about it, and uh, give us some uh, recommendations of stuff you want to hear. You know, we've got plenty of topics, but we always want to talk about what you like. So. Yep. Yep. I mean, if you guys want, I mean, we have a Facebook page. Many of you guys actually click on the links on Facebook and just do it that way. But be interactive with us. Message us if you don't want to comment publicly, and we will respond. Um, Tell us a ghost story if you've got one. Yeah, and yeah, tell us a ghost story, and we will share the ghost stories. Um, Did you bang the blue lady? Tell us about it. Maybe. But we will, but just give us topics you want us to talk about. Um, and we just recently got on Apple Podcast. We're on Google Podcast. We're on Spotify, and of course, our home carrier anchor. Yep. So right now we have four. Basically, uh, what he's saying is there's no excuse for you not to listen to it, us. Exactly. So get off your duff. Get out your phone because you have it out anyway. There you go. And download us on, or well, at least sub us sub on us. any of your. F- wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, the one I would love to get onto eventually will be iHeartRadio because a lot of you guys already listen to iHeartRadio. Um, that's where I listen to a lot of my podcasts. And I did start listening to Google recently because, well, we're there. By and the I, way, Spencer's, I was there the other day. They've got Ouija boards. You should get one. I thought about buying a Ouija board. And if whoever does not listen to our podcast, I'm going to curse them with the Ouija board. Oh, boy, you guys are in trouble now. <laughs> I was like I said I, I yeah so I think all three hundred of you maybe yeah. so ha um, so yeah down download any of those apps if you don't have them and uh, if you if you're cheating and you're using the links that we're using on Facebook stop I too no we as long as you're listening to us I encourage it well yeah that too right. But I will say this. It is a lot easier to gauge and measure oh, how yeah. we're growing By subbing. if you're subbing yeah. us on those on those uh, outlets. Because he's right. Yeah, because I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're listening to us on Facebook, I encourage it. If that's like your only way you're able to yeah. for whatever reason, because uh, maybe you don't have a smartphone or a tablet and you're still living like it's 2004 yeah. and you have a desktop computer and that's how you're listening to us, great. But if you 
have a smart device, download one of those apps if you don't already have one, and sub us so we can measure our growth. I think at this point, everybody's got Spotify. Yeah. Are we on Spotify now, too? Oh, yeah. We've been on Spotify. Oh, I yeah. did not know that. Okay. Uh, Anchor owns Spotify. Oh, then, yeah. Vice versa. Okay. So. so there you go. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I guess that's five outlets right now. So yeah. Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or not Amazon, Apple. We're on a lot more than five, but it's just ones that I don't. Oh, so the major ones. Yeah. Like I said, the only major one I can think of that we're not on is iHeart. Right. So, which would be a big one, too. I mean, Apple's massive, Google's massive, Spotify, and Anchor's actually growing in popularity, too, Mm -hmm. thanks to their purchase um, or their buyout with um, Spotify. But so just sub us if you can so we can measure how we really are doing in that in the numbers game. and then also interact with us. We're totally open to suggestions and your stories. And if we really like your story, we'll share it on our podcast and we will feature you and you know, you'll be internet famous. So how about yeah. that? And guys do us a favor and don't kill your kids this Christmas. Yeah. It just really don't darkens like, the mood. Yeah. Don't be like the Ramseys. Okay. Yeah. Don't be Ramsey. Merry Christmas.